traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. I am your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada news, notes and opinions from the underground for Friday, November the 11th in the year of our Lord 2022. And I hope you all took at least a moment to observe, remember and stay this morning and to think about the sacrifice of our fallen soldiers. Today, as we should every day, we remember those who volunteered, sacrificed, served, fought, and died for our freedom. And we thank you and we salute you as we salute those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. We will never forget. We will remember you. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning... We will remember them. We will remember them. Lest we forget. Uh, If yesterday's program sounded familiar, your ears did not deceive you. Uh, I woke up yesterday morning with no voice, none. I could uh, communicate only by barely whispering. 
It's not COVID. I didn't even have a sore throat, but I, just an occupational hazard, overuse. It uh, started to come back uh, last night, my voice, that is. It was pretty thin this morning, but it's coming along and it seems fine now, but who knows how long it'll hang in there. Uh, I won't have much of an opportunity to rest it over the weekend, uh, weekend either. I'm guest hosting Coast to Coast AM, the most listened to late night talk radio program in the world. Over 600 affiliates across the United States, none in Canada presently. Um, but I'll be guest hosting Coast Saturday night. Actually, early Sunday morning, starting at 1 a.m., finishing at 5 a.m. Eastern. Tonight, after this show, I have a podcast to record, and then I'm off to the hockey rink tonight to cheer my boys on. They play in a church league out in Scarborough. Come to think of it, I'll, I'll likely be keeping my cheers to a minimum. I'll just raise my arms in celebration every time they score. The uh, Oakville High School teacher, who now goes by the name of Kayla Lemieux, You remember, made headlines around the world for these cartoon-sized prosthetic breasts, wearing them to class. Well, Kayla Lemieux will not be subject to a dress code while on the job. This according to a review by the Holton District School Board. I know this came out yesterday, but I wasn't here yesterday, or I wasn't on the air yesterday. The uh, report recommends against adopting a system-wide dress code for staffers. Get this, suggesting it would potentially spark human rights violations. I mean, that is absurd. Countless organizations have dress codes. In fact, most employers have some kind of a dress code. Students have dress codes, nurses, police officers. I mean, listen to this drivel from the cowardly Halton District School Board. Quote, it is clear from the above analysis that the implementation of a formal staff dress code or grooming standards would likely expose the board to considerable liability. This is a joint statement from Superintendent Sari Taha and Director of Education Curtis Ennis. The recommendation comes amid calls from some Trafalgar students, parents and community members who were not comfortable with the teacher's clothing choices. The HDSB has been considering a dress code when this first came to, to light at the start of the school year, but it's decided against it, saying in the report it's important to recognize the impact dress code policies have on members of the transgender community. I mean, come on. I mean, let's assume for a moment that Kayla Lemieux isn't perpetrating a hoax and actually believes he's a woman trapped inside a man's body. Is it not possible for this teacher to outwardly express his belief by dressing in a more conservative manner? In other words, okay, you, th- you think you're a woman. Can you not put on a pantsuit and leave the size Z prosthetic boobs at home? On what planet would that be a human rights violation? to demand that someone not wear size D fake breasts with protruding nipples in a classroom setting. Is that too much to ask? The Holton District School Board is an international laughingstock. And if anyone listening out there in Halton voted for any of these trustees, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm going to do something now that's not 
in the least bit controversial. At least it shouldn't be. But the fact that it has to be said, and practically no one in this country is saying it, tells you the extent to which we are living inside an episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus. In New Hampshire, they have a pageant for young women between the ages of 17 and 24. It's called the Greater, sorry, the Miss Greater Dairy Scholarship Program. The program provides scholarships, as the name implies, to young women, young women. It's held by the Miss America pageant. So the 2023 Miss Greater Dairy Scholarship Program winner was awarded to a man, a 19-year-old man, Brian Nguyen, a freshman at Nashua Community College. Brian self-identifies as a woman. So a beauty pageant slash scholarship program for young women was awarded to a morbidly obese, there I said it, he he is morbidly obese, he is a man. And we're supposed to shut up and affirm that Brian is not only attractive and not morbidly obese, but also affirm that Brian is a woman, and I will do neither. Brian is a morbidly obese man in a dress taking a scholarship from an actual woman. I will not affirm. I will not affirm. What else did I miss uh, yesterday when I was without a voice? Why do we still have the same clown posse in charge of public health in this province after the provincial response to the pandemic was a colossal and tragic failure by every imaginable, imaginable metric? Here we go again. Reportedly, Dr. Kieran Moore talking about bringing back the mask mandate. Never mind 150 studies. 150 studies show masks are useless against coronaviruses. We had that huge RCT in Bangladesh during the pandemic, which concluded masks are, well, pretty much useless. It even says so in the bloody box that the masks actually come in. Seriously, are we going to do this dance again? I'll tell you, I, I will not be complying. I will not be wearing a mask anywhere, least of all in my car while driving alone. And I still see these sad characters doing that. I saw a man outside the other day. He was outside wearing a mask and a face shield, walking against the pedestrian light while looking down at his phone the other day. Think of the irony. He's wearing a mask and a face shield. He's walking against a light at a pedestrian crosswalk with his head down, looking into his phone. (laughs) I can't. I can't even. All right. Big show coming your way today. Uh, Let's hope my voice is up to it. A shame on the University of Guelph. If Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. were alive, he'd be uh, he'd have his head buried in his hands to know that the University of Guelph is defending one of its yoga instructors who's running racially segregated yoga classes. Ellie Canten-Nantel from True North will be here last order of business with this incredibly sad story. We're introducing a new segment on the program today, every Friday at uh, around 5.30. 
We'll talk Mississauga Steelheads, our great OHL team. Commentator Zach Bodenstein will be here to uh, tease tonight's matchup between the Steelheads. Well, they're out of town tonight. They're playing the Kitchener Rangers in Kitchener. Senator Leo Husakos. It's been a while since uh, the good senator was on the program. But he'll be here also in hour two to discuss the infiltration of our elections in Canada by the communist Chinese. This should be a front page story all day, every day on every major newspaper, and it is not. The sofa cinephile Christopher Garitano will join me this hour uh, live from a film set in Texas where he's working on a movie. And we'll talk about the recent 4K release of the Michael Mann saga Heat starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Actually, with my gravelly voice today, I could probably do an Al Pacino. All right, Jacob, stop begging. All right, I'll do it. Hoo-ha! There it is. That's my Al Pacino. Thumbs down. I got a thumbs down. Two thumbs down. Hoo-ha! If I were half the man I used to be, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Send of a woman, Al Pacino. Have you seen it? Come on, guys. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> coming up first, Preston Manning, founder of the uh, Reform Party, will be here next. He's calling for a national public inquiry into Canada's pandemic response. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Friday, November the 11th. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Preston Manning would like a, uh, a citizen's inquiry, a public inquiry into Canada's pandemic response. And uh, the uh, founder of the Reform Party and the Canadian Reform Conservative Alliance joins us now. Preston Manning, welcome. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Richard. We should also point out uh, your brand new book, The Red Tape Letters. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. It's a great premise. Uh, I love it. So we'll uh, we'll get into that in a few moments. But first of all, let's talk about what would the parameters of, of such an inquiry be? What would it look like in your mind? Well, the idea is to have a national, independent, citizen-led public inquiry into Canada's response to the COVID-19 phenomena. And the idea would be to get at what went right, what went wrong, and most importantly, what lessons can be learned from how this was handled so that in the future, national crises are are better managed. Would it be structured, let's say, uh, in a similar fashion to the current um, public order emergency uh, commission? Well, there'd be a couple of major differences, but mainly this is sort of citizen-led, and there's been a big discussion on this. Some people say, well, the government should call this inquiry, but then, of course, that means it's the government uh, examining and investigating itself. Uh, other people say, well, the opposition political people should do it, but then it uh, it can very easily turn into a, apparently a, a witch hunt. So the, the main difference between this and, and an inquiry held under the Federal Inquiries Act, which is the uh, is that this would be basically citizen-led. And we, we set up this website called nationalcitizensinquiry.ca and inviting people to go to it, A, a to say that, do, do you want this thing? If you do, please register. But secondly, asking them, who would you trust to be the commissioners on this? So we're collecting names that way because it's extremely important that 
this thing have credibility and a lot of that credibility will come from who are the commissioners and then the idea is to have uh, uh, hearings in about seven or eight locations across the country two to three day in-person hearings with room for virtual participation uh, ending up in in uh, a summary hearing in ottawa and then these commissioners to produce a report shortly after that would you would sorry not you but would such a citizens inquiry focus on any particular sector of the the population that um let's say you know suffered immeasurably from from the pandemic response not the pandemic itself necessarily but the pandemic response for example well, that's, the elderly that's a, that's a very good question if people go to this website another thing that's on there is an opinion survey that was done in the middle of october uh, which found that 74% of Canadians surveyed said that they were harmed by the health protection measures designed to cope with COVID-19. This isn't harmed by the virus, which it, it had harms, and, and that's been measured. This is people saying they were harmed by the uh, the health protection measures. And there were four categories of harms. Some people said their health was harmed because they were on a waiting list or they had relatives that died on a waiting list because the healthcare system couldn't handle the surge. Other people that said they were harmed in one way or another by the vaccines. There were harms to rights and freedoms, people who felt that their rights and freedoms were infringed upon, and that was a harm. The uh, social harms, uh, the uh, psychological and social harms from uh, social distancing actually turned out to be number one of the harms identified. And then, of course, the economic harms. And it will be expected that people will testify at this hearing as to the harms that they suffered. And uh, but if I was one of the commissioners and I, I won't be, but uh, I would always end up asking a witness, OK, we, we hear what went wrong. What would you suggest could have been done differently so that that harm to you could have been avoided or prevented? And I think what's very important is that the final outcome of this thing be positive in that sense that here's recommendations so we can learn and benefit from uh, even the things that went wrong. <clears throat> Uh, Mr. Manning, we'll take a quick time. I'll come back and discuss further his um, proposal for a national citizens inquiry into the pandemic response. National citizens inquiry dot C.A. National citizens inquiry dot C.A. There's a petition and you can learn more right there. All right. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 a.m. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Welcome back. Preston Manning stays with us. He's calling for a public citizen's inquiry into Canada's pandemic response. Mr. Manning, also CEO of the Manning Center for Building Democracy, and he has a brand new book out called Red Tape Letters, and you can find out more, redtapeletters.ca. But uh, back to the inquiry, the proposed inquiry, nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. Um, I mean, I know you're, you're sort of putting these questions out there and you're asking for opinions, but let me ask you yours. Would there be, would there be no go zones in such an inquiry? So, for example, would such an, inqu- an inquiry, into your mind, entertain alternative viewpoints that have been either uh, suppressed or censored. Uh, groups like the Barrington Declaration, for example, scientists that came forward and said, uh, we're going about this all the wrong way. Uh, lockdowns are not the way to go. 
uh, perhaps some scientists and medical people that uh, that uh, seriously question the efficacy and even, yes, the safety of the COVID vaccines? Would they be uh, welcome on such an inquiry. Yes, in fact, that would be extremely important. And people with different views would apply to to testify at these hearings, and uh, the commissioners would uh, endeavor to get as good a cross section as they can. And the two points I make to people that are interested in testifying with alternative scientific or medical perspectives, or testifying about the impacts, or testifying that they had a a, a good experience, is two things. One is there'll be a commissioner for oaths there who will ask you to affirm that what you are going to say is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, not embellished. And secondly, you'll be subject to cross-examination, probably by somebody who may be even more knowledgeable on the subject than yourself. And in that way, endeavoring to get all kinds of opinion in there, but to get a balanced perspective as possible. Uh, It's a public inquiry, a citizen's inquiry. So it wouldn't have subpoena power. I, I, I'm well, that, that's one of the things, because if you had it, if this inquiry was done under the Public Inquiries Act, for example, that would the commissioners would have the capacity to subpoena people uh, and particularly maybe people who would be reluctant to testify for one reason or another. And this inquiry will not have that capacity. Now, it will have the capacity to invite those people to uh, participate. And if they say no, th- there'll be some pressure as to well, why are you saying no? What have you got to hide? Uh, would it be your your desire that a public citizen's inquiry, uh, because, every, you know, the proposals and everything obviously would be non-binding, uh, that it would lead to an official government public inquiry? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Are you ready for a rewarding career in the electrical industry? Quality Electric of the Coastal Carolinas, QECC, is looking for qualified electricians and electrical helpers to join its Charleston team. QECC offers guaranteed full-time hours, make up to $30 per hour with possible performance bonuses and career growth opportunities. Enjoy benefits like health insurance, dental and vision coverage, 401k plans, and more. If you're a motivated, experienced electrician, this job is for you. QECC is an equal opportunity employer. For all job inquiries, send email to hr at qeccinc.com. Well, I th- think the challenge there, Richard, is that there's a skepticism. In fact, there's skepticism about anybody holding an inquiry. People are so, uh, you know, skeptical these days. But the trouble with a public, uh, government-sponsored inquiry, I think people would feel it's going to be a, a whitewash. Governments investigating themselves are not going to get into it. Now, the governments could do that. 
And, and when, when this inquiry makes recommendations, of course, it has no power to compel their acceptance, but, but neither does a royal commission. A royal commission, it can be government-sponsored. It can put out a huge report, but it's still in the hands of the, the government or the authorities to whether they implement any of the recommendations or not. <clears throat> Uh, it would obviously I'm, I'm gathering be your desire that that such a uh, an inquiry would be would be receiving, you know, large media coverage, uh, that it would be televised, um, given that the mainstream media has been, unfortunately, sort of in lockstep with the uh, the official narrative and with the governments, uh, provincial and federal uh, carrying water for them. In fact, um, do you expect to get any? mainstream media coverage, I guess, is the question. Well, we would hope so. And uh, there'll undoubtedly be testimony at this hearing criticizing the role of the, particularly the legacy media in this whole thing. And then the challenge for the legacy media, well, are you just going to let that go? Or why don't you come and testify as to why you did and what you did and why you said what you did? So, I mean, it could be ignored, but if there's enough interest and attention, that might not be the wisest course of action for the media themselves. How soon? One of the points uh, that scientists will make, and they, they're, you know, they tend to do this in private because they don't want to lose their funding, but they, they argue that public ser- servants or public administrators, politicians, and media people are not the best people to communicate science. And they point out you can get a journalism degree in this country without a single or a political science degree or a public administration degree without any courses in the basic sciences. No physics, no chemistry, no biology, no zoology, no mathematics and no statistics. And so are those people the best ones to communicate science to the public when you say this is a science based issue? And uh, I think if those points are made, then it would be to the advantage of those people that are maybe being criticized from that perspective to come and say, well, you know, th- th- this is how we, we handle it. This is why we handle it and, and defend themselves. Excellent points. Uh, Preston, we'll take another time. I'll come back and continue to talk about a, a citizen's inquiry into the pandemic response. Back with more of my conversation with Preston Manning in three minutes. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. Nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. That's the website, nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. You can sign the petition and uh, learn more about former Reform Party leader Preston Manning's um, proposed national public inquiry into Canada's pandemic response. Richard, just on that, I should make clear to people like this, I'm sort of a spokesperson for this and supportive of it and helping to facilitate it. But there's a large number of other people that are involved. Over 20,000 people have gone to that website in just the last few days saying they want the inquiry. So there's a sense in which this is a democratic exercise. There's large numbers of people saying they want it. And I'm and others are attempting to respond to that. Got it. Thank you for the clarification. How uh, t- uh, how soon could such an inquiry be up and running uh, if you have? The idea is to keep this website going in November and December, trying to build up support for it. We also got to raise money for it because it's going to cost something and people can donate on that website. And to get these commissioners in place by the end of the year, then the idea is to have these hearings start if everything went well in the new year. Uh, with the two to three day hearings uh, pub- in, in person, but virtual, 
uh, starting in probably in Moncton for the Atlantic region, Montreal for Quebec, Toronto for Ontario, uh, Winnipeg for Manitoba, Saskatoon for Saskatchewan, Red Deer for Alberta, Victoria for BC, and then end up with this summary hearing in uh, in uh, Ottawa probably by then uh, earlier late March. And then uh, a formal written report to follow? Yes, as soon as possible, not, not dragging this thing out as soon as possible. Yes, after that summary hearing. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, uh, that we need to fund this. Would this be crowdfunded and, and any estimates on how much such an inquiry would cost? Well, not not at this stage. It depends. We're hoping to get a fair amount of in-kind contributions for facilities and things like that and transportation. But uh, there's a donation button on that uh, website and uh, will be very dependent. on. I, ideally, these things are best funded by getting small amounts of money from large numbers of people. That way, somebody can't say you're in the pocket of some big donor uh, and that's the hope. So crowdfunding is one mechanism. This this website is another. We'll see where that goes. Nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. Nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. I know that you're asking for input, but are there any names rolling around in your head, uh, you know, as potential commissioners? Well, we're getting interesting feedback on that. Some people say that this, for this hearing to have credibility, that the commissioners should be almost like retired judges or retired ombudsmen or someone like that that's sort of been distant from the fray, hasn't been identified with one government or the other or a company or the other or interest group or the other. And then there's other people saying that you're going to have to have expertise on this panel because it's dealing with these kind of issues. You're going to have to have some medical expertise, some civil liberties uh, expertise, some economic expertise. And I think where we may end up, and I'm just uh, speculating here, is maybe the chief commissioner is somebody that's got this sort of distance and objectivity of a of a, a judge-like person. Uh, but the other members of the panel, and there'll be five, uh, will more represent this. It'll be a medical person or a science person or a, uh, a civil uh, liberties lawyer. I, I think that's the way it, we're getting feedback on both those scores. So we'll have to sort out what's the best balance. All right. Again, nationalcitizensinquiry.ca. All right. The new book, Red Tape Letters. I bet I, maybe a bit of a nod to C.S. Lewis and the Screw Tape Letters. It's kind of, uh, you know, that epistolary kind of um, uh, style. Uh, tell us about the book, Instructions from Red Tape, Leader of the Bureaucratic Party of Canada to His Fellow Bureaucrats. Well, it's a bit of a spoof, but uh, I I conjecture that the the Bureaucratic Party of Canada is the largest political party. In the federal arena, you got 350,000 public servants, you got 338 members of parliament, and you got 35 to 40 cabinet ministers with a prime minister on top that are supposed to direct and control this huge body underneath. So this is a bit of a spoof, but it's it's indicating all the different ways that uh, bureaucrats can exercise control over the politicians. And uh, it's an indirect way of warning the political people that uh, uh, this is what you're going to run into. The joke in Calgary is that winning an election these days is like winning the right to ride the bull at the Calgary Stampede. You know, there's this great big animal. You get to ride it. It may not be too friendly towards you. And uh, it's it's a bit of a spoof, but it's got that sort of serious concern, uh, which is being discussed in a number of provincial capitals. How if you win an election these days, how do you actually get 
control of the bureaucratic machinery, particularly if the bureaucracy is not sympathetic to uh, who you are, or what you're trying to do. Right. I mean, we, we hear this term, the deep state bandied about in the United States, but I think more appropriately, it should be termed the administrative state. People don't understand that so many of our laws and regulations are not are not even passed by parliament. They're regulations, you know, created by this uh, permanent bureaucracy, if you will. The red yes. tape letters uh, and he, people can go to redtapeletters.ca to find out more. Redtapeletters.ca. Don't forget the National Citizens Inquiry .ca website as well. Mr. Manning, a great privilege, and uh, thank you so much for spending some time. Okay, thank you for having me, Richard. Preston Manning. When we come back, the Sofa Cinephile with a, uh, a look at Michael Mann's 1995 crime saga, Heat, starring Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, now in a new 4K release. That's next. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Sofa Cinephile on The Richard Serrett Show. I do what I do best. It takes scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. All I want is a husband and his whole crew. Assume they got our phones, assume they got our houses, assume they got us right here, right now, as we sit, everything. Told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything. You are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. Stay down. Does anybody have any idea where these people are? I mean, is this guy something or is he something? This crew is good. Hey, there you go. Michael Mann's 1995 crime saga, Heat, starring Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, uh, John Voight, I believe, is also in this, now available in a new 4K release. And here to tell us more, the sofa cinephile, Christopher Garitano, the host of the Off to the Witch podcast, and he's joining us live from a, a film set in Texas, I believe. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can. What's going on down in Texas? Can you tell us about this movie or is it yeah. hush, hush? Sure. No, no, I'll tell you about it. So I'm out in the middle of nowhere in Stinnett, Texas, outside of Amarillo, shooting a movie called Love Bugs. And it was written by Heidi James, who's actually the daughter of Edwin Neal, who played the hitchhiker in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And we have Lou Temple from The Walking Dead and Tony Scott's Unstoppable in it. And it's a family drama about, you know, on the edge of the end of the world, very surrealistic, dark at times, right up my alley. So they hired me to direct this thing, and I'm putting my personal touch on it. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Great gig. All Thank right. you. We'll find out more about the uh, about that movie in, I guess, in the coming weeks. But right now, we're talking about Heat. And uh, this came out, uh, what, 27 years ago. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, uh, they're on sort of opposite sides of the law, I guess. What else do we need to know about this film? Okay, so one very important thing, I think, outside of it being an amazing movie, and Michael Mann had made movies like Thief years before with James Caan, totally blew my mind. Obviously, Miami Vice, he made, you know, the television show. 
So he comes back and he did, this is well before collateral does heat. The, the huge anticipation for this movie at that time was that this was the very first movie where Robert De Niro and Al Pacino were actually in a scene together. You know, they had both appeared in Godfather 2 many years previous, but they were never in a scene together. And they were considered at that time, and I still do, I, I, at least I do, that they were some of the greatest actors ever. And it was a big thing. I think it was overshadowing the idea of the movie until the movie came out. And it's just this powerful crime saga, this L.A. crime saga, uh, where there are rival forces, but similarities between the two characters. De Niro plays a professional thief probably wanting to get away from it. And uh, Al Pacino plays a cop, probably wanting to get away from his life, and they cross paths. Right. I mean, the uh, those two great actors coming together, as you say, in one scene for the first time, I, I guess this is just maybe before, I'm not sure the timing exactly, but there was a point where Al Pacino just started to actually eat the scenery where, I mean, I would, I wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't relish that role as, you know, having to appear opposite him in any scene. And uh, when you have someone like De Niro um, uh, and Pacino on screen together, I mean, it, it, it worked, it worked beautifully. Uh, you Sometimes something like that can go horribly awry when you have two huge, you know, the two huge presences uh, in one scene at the same time, but it worked. Yeah, you're right. And and neither of them really were too big in this movie. Uh, Pacino definitely more so than De Niro. De Niro was very subtle. It was one of his last great performances, in my opinion. Hmm. How does it look uh, on 4K? Beautiful. And um, you're, what you're getting to see is a director's cut. So it did not play theatrically. I mean, maybe in special engagements, but uh, it's not that old. So there's many scenes you never saw. Commentaries, Michael Mann. I mean, you'll learn so much about this movie behind the scenes, uh, storyboards, anatomy of the film. Uh, definitely a disc worth owning. Fantastic. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming it sounds great as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to get a better sound system, but uh, sound is so important. We have a great sound crew over here, so that's something I insisted before we start this movie is that we make sure we have a, the right people recording and mixing sound. Absolutely. Sound is essential. All right. And how do we listen to Off to the Witch, the podcast? Go wherever you find your podcasts and search Off to the Witch. Fantastic. All right, Christopher, good luck on the set, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Richard. All right. Christopher Garitano, the Sofa Cinephile. First we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is <laughs> the Lim Riddler. And he's here with a special Remembrance Day, Lim Riddle. How are you, Lim Riddler? I'm doing well, Richard. Happy Friday and happy, can you say happy Remembrance Day or is that the right etiquette? Should be more something like, I don't know, observe a solemn Remembrance Day or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Yes, yes. Lest we forget. Um, So the the object of the game here is we're looking for a one word answer that that, uh, solves each of the four clues in the Lim Riddle, which is kind of a combination uh, Limerick and Riddle. And uh, the same, you know, looking for that one word answer, you're going to send it to info at limriddles.com. Info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line so we know you heard it right here on Saga 960. So uh, let's have our Lim Riddle. 
Yeah, and I'll just add that the best way to solve these, of course, is to go to the website and read along with me. Just makes it a little bit simpler. And that's at uh, limriddles.com. And while you're there, subscribe. You can get it to your mailbox uh, weekly if you do that. All so right. this, one's, uh, this one's called uh, Debt to Remember. And it goes like this. Remember the dead to whom all owe a debt. Phone once again if there's no answer yet. Costly rework have a vehicle quirk. Feature film Martian can never forget. All right, let's hear that one more time. Okay, remember the dead to whom all owe a debt. Phone once again if there's no answer yet. Costly rework of a vehicle quirk. Feature film Martian can never forget. All right, again, send your one-word answer to info at limriddles.com, info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line. That way we know you heard it right here on The Richard Sarah Show. And be listening just before the news at 6 when I reveal the answer to this week's Limriddle and announce the names of the winners, one of whom will walk away with a pair of tickets to the Mississauga Steelheads uh, next home game. I believe that's happening November the 13th. And uh, you can always, of course, visit the Paramount Fine Food Center box office for tickets or call 905 502 7788-905-502-7788. Lim Riddler, you have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk again next Friday. Right on, Richard. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye. The Lim Riddler. <laughs> Solve this puzzle. The Lim Riddler. Every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM. All right, hour two await. Senator Leo Hosakos will be here to talk about the... Uh, Communist Chinese covertly funding 2019 election candidates. And uh, we'll also speak with Zach Bodenstein, commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads, and much more. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for itself after centuries of fighting. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Richard Serrett Show. So far, the voice holding on. Let's see if it continues. Knock on wood. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming our way, including... A True North journalist, Eli Canten-Nantel, will be here. We'll talk about the University of Guelph coming to the defense of a, a yoga class exclusive to black persons. This uh, class was uh, criticized on social media for appearing to further racial segregation. Appearing. No, it is 
furthering racial segregation if Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. were, well... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. If he was to catch wind of this from the grade that hereafter, he'd be doing 360s in his crypt, I can assure you. That's a very sad uh, commentary on the state of uh, affairs. Uh, we'll also, uh, this is a brand new segment coming up uh, a little bit later this hour. We'll, uh, we'll speak with Mississauga Steelhead's color commentator, Zach Bodenstein, and uh, we'll get a uh, kind of a preview of tonight's tilt against the Kitchener Rangers, and uh, then also Sunday night at home against the, I think it's the Kingston Frontenacs at home on Sunday at the Paramount Fine Food Center. And of course, just a reminder, we'll also be giving away a pair of tickets to that home game. uh, That's uh, Sunday the 13th at the Paramount Fine Food Center. Uh, Just be listening before the news at 6 when I announce the, uh, the winner of this week's Limb Riddle. All right. Well, this um, perhaps came as a surprise to no one. We sort of caught wind of this last during last election uh, in uh, September of uh, 2021 that there was uh, something untowards going on in our federal election, some influence uh, from the communist Chinese. And now, of course, we're hearing that Canada's intelligence Officials have warned the prime minister about China allegedly targeting Canada with this vast campaign of foreign interference, including funding of clandestine, a clandestine network of at least 11 federal candidates running in the 2019 election. Uh, this, according to global news sources, this was uh, a story written by Sam Cooper, who's been with us before. He's written and researched this very topic extensively. You may be familiar with his book, Willful Blindness. In any event, um, we must uh, we must get into this. This should be headline news, huge headline news. And sadly, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, we're going to speak with this now with Senator Leo Husakos. Senator, welcome back to the program. How are you? Good to be on with you. How are you? Uh, very well. Thank you. Uh, I'm guessing when this story broke, it didn't come as a surprise to you. We've talked about these matters before. Not a surprise at all. Uh, very disappointing. Not a surprise because it's been now a very long time. We've heard from uh, both current and former directors of CSIS and intelligence uh, security forces in this country that have 
keep bringing to the attention of parliamentary committees and conferences the uh, the fact that Canada has been compromised, uh, we know through the years part of our some of our high tech industries have been compromised, and now we know without an inkling of a doubt, with this latest story, that not only have we had our institutions, our democratic institutions, that are being compromised by this uh, totalitarian regime in Beijing, but we've had the prime minister who has ignored these very serious reports. So when these intelligence reports get right to the level of the office of the prime minister and he ignores them now for close to three years, there's a problem. And the question needs to be asked is why does this prime minister continue to kowtow to this authoritarian regime? And now he puts the country clearly in our democracy at risk. Is it uh, your experience or your perhaps firsthand knowledge that we have sitting parliamentarians in Canada who are compromised, who are perhaps, you know, owing their allegiance to the communist Chinese. There, I said it. Well, look, for starters, let's let's look at the prime minister and the cabinet. We've had motions before the Parliament of Canada calling out this totalitarian evil regime. And that's what Beijing is. It is an evil totalitarian regime. They currently have millions of people in what are concentration camps and using them for forced labor in Xinjiang. The parliament has moved motions recognizing what's going on to the Uyghur people in China as a genocide. Every parliamentarian keeps voting for these motions except cabinet ministers in the Trudeau government. Uh, We've seen now China trampling all over freedom and independence of Hong Kong. They are belligerent and constantly threatening to attack Taiwan. They have infringed upon territorial uh, sovereignty of India on their borders. And we can go on and on and on. And yet the Trudeau government, all they can muster up to say is that China has been a disruptive force. They haven't been a disruptive force. They're a totalitarian regime that oppresses its people, doesn't respect, doesn't respect human rights or international rule of law or democracy and freedom. And yet the Trudeau government is afraid to call them out. I have a motion in the Senate, S-237, which deals with this particular issue. It gives teeth and, and strengthens the criminal code to, to create the um, foreign influence registry in this country. Everyone's calling for it, but yet it's been lingering in the Senate because Trudeau appointed senators who control that upper chamber right now have put that bill on ice. That's another example where the Trudeau government, again, at every turn, seems to be uh, not only not accepting the fact of what our security forces are calling for, but he's is 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 literally appeasing China at every turn. To your question specifically, and I say it with regret, I've heard many of my colleagues in the Senate of Canada who use talking points that are almost word for word the talking points that Beijing uses in order to justify the unjustifiable. Why isn't this a bigger story? I mean, this is, you know, we, th- we think back to the 1950s during the height of the Cold War in the United States and the Red Scare, and there was a communist under every bed. Uh, and we had the, you know, Senator Joe McCarthy uh, and, and uh, the uh, Un-American Activities uh, Committee hearings and so forth. Uh, I mean, what is it going to take to 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 wake people up as to the, the the threat that exists in this country from communist China? The reason for the complacency, and I would even venture to say more nefarious than that, is that they're 
people that are being compliant to Beijing is because there's a lot of economic forces, Canadian economic forces, everything from public sector unions that are heavily invested in Chinese corporations to insurance companies in our country to politicians, dare I say, former premiers and, and prime ministers and federal cabinet ministers that are on the payroll of various Chinese entities like Huawei and others. That is to the degree of how far we have become compromised to this particular regime. So there's some powerful economic interests, uh, including there's many in the media that are bringing this up, I have to say, like Mr. Glavin, like Mr. Cooper, and there have been many who have been uh, alerting us to this particular activity. But there's still a lot of mainstream broadcasters uh, in this country that through the years receive huge advertising dollars from Huawei's and other companies of that nature. Uh, and, you know, people are very hesitant to to bite the hand that puts butter on their bread, even if it compromises the values, principles and security interests of our of their very own country. I mean, let's be candid. China has all but declared official war against the West. Uh how is it that we can have companies in this country heavily invested uh, in uh, firms that are controlled by the communist Chinese? How can any of these things be going on, be going on um, in, in, a, in a country that is basically at war uh, with this adversary? Why are we really? not having like full, full hearings and inquiries? And, and uh, I mean, I, again, I go back to the 1950s and the Un-American Activities Committee hearings. Look, it's uh, it's blatant greed. I think at the end of the day, uh, our governments in this country have not been very successful at creating wealth in this country. Uh, and as a result, we've shipped out a lot of jobs to China. Uh, and there's a few entities that are profiting from doing business in China. Um, and it comes down to certain Canadians are willing to peddle uh, our national interest for their own benefit. Uh, there are a bunch of union pension funds and public sector funds and private sector funds that are out there looking for three, four, five, six percent return and are enticed by those possibilities uh, in investing in Chinese companies. And they don't understand the inherent risk. When you're dealing with China, you're dealing with a country that doesn't respect international rule of law. They don't respect human rights. They're not aligned as we are. If, if they decide one day to take your investments and put a gun to your head and say, thank you very much, we're done with you. You don't exactly appeal it in the court of law. They do not approach business like we approach business here in the West. Yet some companies in pursuit of greed, in pursuit of trying to get returns, they don't feel they can otherwise get an investing in our economy, in our in our uh, economic stratosphere. Uh, they, they take those risks. But when you deal with China, it's the wild, wild West. Well, this is a national. This is now a national security risk. Uh, I would put it to you, Senator, that it's time to name and shame these entities inside Canada that are doing such business with the, the communist Chinese. What do you say? I say that the senators who care about our national security, care about democracy, care to make sure that no Canadian citizen on our land is intimidated by any foreign entities 
or foreign countries or foreign agents should embrace Bill S-237, pass it through the Senate as quickly as possible, get it to the House of Commons, and let's give our law enforcement and our agencies some teeth. I hope common sense will will prevail and that we will get this done. I don't think it's much to ask for that any foreign agents that come and try to influence parliamentarians, civil servants, try to influence our laws. We have them registered in the same way we have corporations, uh, Canadian corporations who register when they go before civil servants and politicians and bureaucrats. And in a transparent fashion, we see what they're doing, who they're doing it with and in terms of and what purposes. Uh, Senator, we'll take a quick time out, come back and, and discuss further. Senator Leo Husako, stay with us right here on Saga 960. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Again, talking about uh, how Canadian intelligence officials have warned the Prime Minister that China has been targeting Canada with a vast campaign of foreign interference, including funding a clandestine network of at least 11 federal candidates running in the 2019 election. And uh, this, according to uh, Global News Sources and uh, being reported by Sam Cooper, who, did, who, who does terrific work in this area. Senator Leo Hosakos, uh, the, um, the information presented to the prime minister's office in January of this year, um, ha- have any, uh, I don't know, the intelligence, do we have an intelligence standing committee in the Senate? We have a, a committee in national defense and, and national Yes, we do. Have they seen this, this uh, briefing yet? Uh, look, it's broken in the news just the last few days, so it's going to be interesting to see how my colleagues in the Senate react. I know that the official opposition and uh, the leader of the Conservative Party, Pierre Polyev, our leader, has called for an investigation and to reconstitute the the parliamentary committee on the House side to get uh, to get to the bottom of this. And, and the, the encouraging stuff is the NDP seems to be in agreement, and so is the bloc. Uh, so this is one instance where minority parliament will serve as well. But it is very concerning. $250,000 allegedly have been spent by the Chinese embassy in order to influence 11 ridings in, in, uh, in the last election. And our prime minister has been sitting on this information, hiding it from the Canadian public, and essentially... Uh, defaulting on his responsibility to protect the interests of this country. And one would only come to the conclusion that the hesitation on his part uh, and the fact that his attempt to, to sweep everything under the rug is maybe that it is his party and the Liberal Party that benefited from this. There's no state secret that in the last federal election, the Conservative Party uh, has been calling on our government to hold the Chinese regime uh, to account. Uh, We have taken a position that you should not be doing business with friends and allies that are conducting espionage on your company, stealing your technology, spying on your uh, your institutions and trying to influence uh, our parliament. And this, this is the same prime minister who, when the Chinese ambassador threatened Canadian parliamentarians because we were calling China out for their, uh, for their genocide against the Uyghur people, this prime minister and the minister of foreign affairs stayed silent, where if we had any leadership in this country, when any ambassador threatens Canada and our parliament, they should call those ambassadors uh, onto the carpet of foreign affairs and global affairs and say, you either uh, don't do that again or get out. But what we've seen under the Trudeau government is two Canadian ambassadors in Beijing told the line in favor of that, again, authoritarian, brutal regime against the interests of Canada. 
And again, all we get from Trudeau is that it's a complicated relationship and China's starting to be disruptive. Tell us once again about the bill that you've introduced to the Senate. Bill S-237, it's been lingering in the Senate for a while. It, it, it calls for a foreign influence registry, essentially any officials that uh, make representations to uh, parliamentarians, uh, politicians, senior bureaucrats in trying to influence laws that are being uh, crafted in this country would have to register in a transparent and open fashion. Uh, I think it only makes sense. I think it's one small step in tightening up our laws in this country. And it doesn't apply only to the uh, brutal regime of Beijing. It applies to Iran. It applies to Russia. It applies to all these authoritarian regimes uh, that we have evidence over the last decade have been very busy in trying to influence in all the wrong ways our institutions. Well, that's uh, such a law is long overdue. Senator, thank you so much for your time as always. Thank you. Senator Leo Husakos. All right, when we come back, We'll uh, speak with Zach Bodenstein, commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads, right here on Saga 960. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, it's a busy weekend for the Mississauga Steelheads, of course, heard right here on Saga 960. Tonight, on the road against the Kitchener Rangers, and then Saturday on the road against uh, Hamilton, and then back home to the Paramount Fied Food Center against the Kingston Frontenacs uh, this Sunday. And uh, here, here with a preview of this weekend's action is uh, Scott Bodenstein, or sorry, Zach Bodenstein, and uh, he's with the uh, Mississauga Steelheads broadcast team. Zach, welcome to uh, the program. How are you? Richard, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, uh, this is the first of uh, three and three, three games in three days. I think the last time they had a three and three, they were one and two. Um, so, what do they need to do this time to prepare for such a busy weekend in your mind? You know, I, I talked to head coach James Richmond before every game, and, you know, he, he really emphasizes team defense. And they brought in two new goalies this year. They've got a rookie, 16-year-old as the backup, and then they've got a 19-year-old who's from Switzerland. So it's his first season in North America. And, uh, you know, they're kind of just gelling and trying to get accustomed to not only North American hockey for one of them, but, you know, major junior league for the others. So it is quite an adjustment for, for both of them. And, you know, defense is really what it comes down to. We know this team can score and we've seen it this year, but if they can keep the puck out of their net the way that they have at times this year, that's when they've been the most successful. Um, now, you know, they've got uh, Hamilton coming up tomorrow, the game in Kitchener tonight, which they haven't, uh, you know, they haven't seen the Rangers in a few years because of COVID, but uh, they scored eight against Hamilton last time they went out to, against them so it's really just going to come down to team defense at this point and uh, really in all the wins that they've had this year the defense has shined and when they've lost it's let them down uh the rangers they had a bit of a tough start uh, to the season uh, i think they're ninth in the western conference they but but they've won uh, two in a row what should uh, the steelhead fans expect to see out of kitchener it's a tough team for sure. This this team is for real. I think, you know, when it's all said and done, things kind of even out over the course of a 68 game season. And they're going to be one of the teams to look at in the Western Conference. Now they've got uh, Philip Massar, who's one of the Habs prospects. I'm sure if any Habs fans are listening, they're familiar with him. Uh, he is one of the most dynamic players in all of junior hockey in this country. So he's a guy to watch out for. And then a guy that they're pretty familiar with, uh, Marco Constantini got traded to Kitchener. So he's their goalie this year. And if, you know, any Steelheads are familiar with how last year ended it was the four game sweep at the hands of the Hamilton Bulldogs and he was in net for uh for 
the Hamilton Bulldogs at the time of that series. So, you know, they are pretty familiar with him. So, you know, we know what to expect and he's a good, he's a good goalie, but it certainly is a really solid team in front of him. So uh, I'm very excited to see how they match up against guys like Hunter Brasevich, like a lot of good players on that West team that we haven't seen in a while. It's going to be a good test for them as they start this three and three. Uh, you mentioned the goaltending and um, uh, Alessio Bagliari had a bit of a, a, a rough go last weekend. I think uh, he allowed five goals last Sunday. And then you've, you mentioned uh, this uh, young phenom, Ryerson uh, Linders. Uh, he's he's playing in the uh, the World U, uh, U17 tournament. So how do you see the goaltending situation playing out this weekend? You know what? It's it's tricky. Uh, their third stringer, Chaz Nixon, he got into action after things got a little bit ugly against Sudbury. You mentioned Alessio Bellieri gave up uh, quite a bit. They, gave, they decided to give him a little bit of a rest. Now, uh, you know, James Richmond isn't opposed to going three and three. He always tells me it's a long season. He doesn't want to run anybody into the ground. But that said, you know, they got to win some games. These are going to be competitive games. And he always tells me if the workload isn't too significant over the course of a game, you know, let's say 25 saves and under, he'll lean more to going back to Bellieri in back-to-back games, maybe even three in a row. So it really does depend on a game-to-game situation. I always ask him, you know, what what's your goaltending plan going into this three and three? And I believe this is the third three and three. And he always says, you know, it really is just a game-to-game thing. So uh, maybe Chaz Nixon, the third stringer, gets in there. Uh, I know that's not their priority. It's not their preference. They'd like to lean on Bellieri as much as possible because he's been really good so far. And we saw that uh, this weekend on Saturday, he was really good against the Spitfires uh, before the Sudbury game. So, you know, he has definitely been a huge bright spot for this team. So it's possible he gets all three games, but it is just going to be a game to game basis. And uh, Luca Del Bell Blues, uh, eight points in his last three. What does he need to do to, to stay hot? Oh, he he is really special, right? I mean, we've been watching him for a few years and the progression that he's made over the last couple, especially over COVID, he was hitting the gym, he was eating more, uh, really starting to grow into his own body. So, you know, for Luca, it really just is about doing what he's been doing. He's really strong defensively and he's got one of the best shots in the league and all his goals are scored, you know, from the top of the circle, just ripping it top corner. So he loves to use that wrist shot of his, and it's certainly his strength. So why not just keep doing that? Uh, but, you know, a commitment to team defense. And that's something I talked about at the beginning of this. Just everybody kind of coming forward, helping out a little bit back in their own zone can go a long way. So for Luca Del Belbelous, it's about playing to his strengths. You know, we know he can score. We know the team can score. But just a commitment to defense is going to be what's going to drag them over the top. And what about the other Luke? Well, Luca and then Luke Misa. What does he need to do to get in his game in gear? He's got a, had a bit of a, t- a tough start this year. You know, I talked to Luke Misa before the season and, uh, you know, a lot of hype around his brother, uh, the 15 year old who got exceptional status. And I believe he's like the seventh player ever to get exceptional status. So, you know, 15 years old, Michael Misa's brother for Saginaw has been really good. And I asked him, you know, is that going to help you elevate your game a little bit? He says for sure. Um, And, you know, he said he wants to use his shot more. He wants to use it more. He worked on it. So it's a better shot. And he wants to be more frequent with it. Now, we haven't really seen that so far. Again, we're pretty early in the season. But ideally, Luke would like to start shooting the puck a little bit more. He's getting more comfortable with his line mates. He's out there with Bryce Cook, who's also a sophomore. And then he's playing with Mason Zabeski, who he grew up in in 
and Oakville with playing with. So, you know, they're childhood friends. They've really started to mesh well. And I, 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 you you know, you can kind of feel the chemistry building there and things are starting to come together. You know, Mason Zabeski is a rookie. Luke Nese is a year older than him now in his second year. So it really just is about getting more reps together. And now that they are getting more comfortable together and they're starting to kind of feel each other out and feel the league out. I think that will open things up more for Luke Nese to use that shot that he wants to use. Hey, Zach, thanks so much for hanging out. Great to meet you finally, and uh, have fun this weekend. you got a busy one. Yeah, for sure. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. Zach Bodenstein, commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads, and of course, you can catch all the action all weekend right here on Saga 960. All right, let's open up the phone lines, 289-275-9600. Just a short spell here to get it said, uh, and otherwise, you'll have to wait till Monday, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. We can talk about just about everything you want, anything you want, 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls right here on Saga 960. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. The number to get on board. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. You know, here's the funny thing. It was um, I've been waiting to say that for so long. You know, to be able to give out call in numbers or a call in number. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. Get on board. I've been waiting so long. Like, are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Almost two years. It'll be two years in March since we, uh, we launched this show. And uh, from the very beginning, it was my intention that one day we would be able to take calls. Imagine that on a live talk radio program, taking calls. How novel. Uh, But we're doing it now. And uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, the lines are a little slow. 289-275-9600. And we can talk about anything you'd like. I mean, if you'd like to talk about what we just discussed with Senator Leo Husakos about communist Chinese infiltration into this country. I mean, we could go all the way back into the 90s and uh, see this report. What was that called? Operation Sidewinder or Project Sidewinder about just that? Not only the communist Chinese. But, but think about it. This should be. This should be huge news. It should be. Front page news of every daily newspaper. There should be hearings, inquiries, investigations, committee hearings. And again, I go back to. The 1950s, the so-called, you know, the Red Scare. And actually, Senator uh, Joe McCarthy takes a lot of blame. He wasn't actually running those hearings. He was, there's, there's something else was going on in the Senate. But for whatever reason, everything gets attached to Senator Joe McCarthy. And yes, there were people that were perhaps 
unjustly accused of being communists. Uh, maybe the great irony is McCarthy and others, they were right. They just didn't know how right they were. And here we are 50 years later, 70, sorry, 70 years later. And we are, this is not an exaggeration. I mean, we are on the precipice of war with communist China. I mean, they have, not officially, but they have, if you listen to the speeches or read the translation of the speeches, that's the mindset that they're in. They are already in their minds at war with the West. So we should be behaving accordingly. And to, and to think that we, I believe, it's not an exaggeration, we have spies, communist Chinese spies, that have infiltrated the corridors of power in this country, municipally, provincially, federally. And our uh, crime minister likes to pretend that nothing is going on. 289-275-9600. So, um, as you know, I've been uh, very busy putting a uh, backyard rink, the, uh, the Serret Fine Food Center, the backyard hockey rink. We had one last year. This year, we've expanded the uh, backyard hockey rink. It is now 60 feet by 35 feet. Okay, it's not regulation, but uh, that's that's about as big as we can go in our backyard. And uh, so we already have the boards up. And these are, uh, it's, uh, this is not, a, I'm not getting compensated for this, um, but it's a great company. It's called Easy Ice. They're out of the United States. They ship up the, the, the boards. They come uh, on a pallet and everything just snaps together like Lego pieces. And then you put the liner in uh, and then you order the water truck. So we've got the boards up. Now it's getting more and more elaborate. Uh, and Jacob, I keep telling you, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to come over and play. Uh, and, and Declan, of course, I don't know. Declan, do you skate? Yes, you do. I've asked you that before, but you got to come over and play some, uh, we'll, we'll do some three V three. It'll be me and my two, uh, my twin boys. And then we just need a third. Does Jody skate? I'm sure she could. <laughs> I'm sure she'd be, I'm sure she'd, uh, or we could have, uh, I'm sure uh, also Brandon could skate too. We could have a little throwback, Brandon. throwback match. Yeah. So uh, my friend Bill uh, and his his uh, son, good friends with my uh, my two boys, and he's taken a very active. I couldn't do the rink without uh, Bill. Um, he's an engineer, anyway. He and he helps. You know, we put up the lights, and now he's thinking because I we have a little bench that we put near the uh, hockey rink so the kids can tie their skates and and so forth. He wants to put a shelter over the bench, and so now he came over and he had all of the the pieces of wood and the design, and he's all keen on building. A um, just kind of a temporary, almost like a hut that'll sit over top of the benches, rinkside, so that uh, our dear little children can put on their skates uh, out of the wind and the cold. <laughs> I mean, next, you know, the kids will be lobbying for a, uh, uh, a big screen TV inside the clubhouse at rinkside. And I, and I think to myself, are we being... A little too extravagant here? I don't know. But as Bill said, you know, one day these kids will be uh, deciding which old old folks home we go in. So we have to be, uh, we have to be nice to them now. Uh, but uh, it's it is a, it's a great pleasure and a great joy and uh, looking forward to the hockey season. Hopefully the cold weather comes soon. I think it was mid-January before we actually had decent skating weather last year, before the, the temperatures were consistently cold. So hopefully 
uh, we'll get the freezing temperatures very soon. But the next order of business, we'll get the lights up. And then uh, we have to put the backstops up to prevent errant pucks from breaking our patio doors, our windows. And uh, then in goes the liner. And then we call for the uh, the water truck, something like 14,000 liters going into this uh, hockey rink. All right. We will check in in uh, just a moment with uh, True North journalist Elie Quentin-Nantel. And uh, this is a sad story. Guelph University coming to the defense of a racially segregated yoga session that took place on that campus. And uh, we'll get into the details on the other side. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Don't go away. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Last order of business. A sad story. I mean, truly, this this makes me sad. So the University of Guelph has uh, has come to the defense of a yoga class exclusive to black persons. Imagine that. Here they are, on the one hand, touting diversity, inclusivity, unless you're white or non-black, and then you're not welcome. Literally, you're not welcome. It's called uh, the the Restorative Yoga Class, and it was uh, organized by Guelph University's Cultural Diversity (laughs) Team. Oh, the irony. Irony deficient, more like it. The Cultural Diversity Team and the Black Student Association. This was held back on November the 1st. And uh, the story, I guess, was kind of broke initially by uh, Jonathan Kay, uh, who's a terrific journalist. And uh, there was a bit of a backlash backlash on social media. And uh, and then the university came to the defense of the restorative yoga class instructor, Salam Debs who is, I believe, an anti-racism, I love that term, anti-racism, anti-racism instructor. Ali Cantan-Nantel is uh, with True North, and he joins us now. Hey, Ali, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Very well. Was this a, one, a one-time class on November the 1st, or, or uh, is this ongoing? Do we know? Uh, yeah, so it was a one-time class. It was actually part of a, a three-part uh, series that the uh, university uh, organized, and they had this this uh, restoration yoga, this this anti-racist yoga. And, and as you noted, it's quite interesting, Richard, uh, as in the past, uh, when you segregated on the basis of race, you were called racist. Now you are anti-racist, and not only that, but as 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 I wrote in the story, the the, the instructor came in and said that the way that the her event was criticized or or targeted was a form of racism. So now, if if you speak against this new reverse racism called anti-racism, you are the one that's racist. Uh, and then the university, I guess, kind of doubled down and supported Salam Debs. Uh, who is promoting segregation. She is promoting racial segregation. And then by extension, Guelph University is promoting racial segregation. Uh, I mean, that is the the text, a textbook definition of racism, I would say. But it also said that the uh, anyone who identifies as black was uh, welcome at this uh, restorative yoga class. What do they? What do you think they meant by that, or mean by that? Anyone who identifies is that kind of a a, a loophole, so that anyone who who can who can say, I, "Well, I identify. I'm not black, but I identify as black." 
What do you think is going on there? Well, I think it's just part of the, you know, progressive, inclusive uh, type of agenda where, you know, there's no more reality, right? You can identify because if I say I'm a, a woman, I'm a woman, right? So everything is all about self-identification and subjectivity now. Uh, I do think at the same time, though, by saying that they do avoid uh, themselves from getting, you know, sued because uh, the Ontario Human Rights Code uh, prohibits racism. And honestly, if I was at a university and I was told that I couldn't go somewhere because of my skin color, I would sue under the Ontario Human Rights Act because it is always wrong to discriminate against skin color. Uh, no matter what the context is, it's racism at the end of the day. Martin Luther King uh, aspired to a vision where people were judged on their contempt of their character. When you do something like restore rid of yoga that's black exclusive you are not doing this sort of judgment you are making the only uh way the only eligibility criteria to be identifying as a person of color which i think is fundamentally racist i suspect though there is a lot of this going on and and you know thankfully jonathan k um caught wind of it and and uh, started to write about it and you've also uh, done your due diligence and are are uh, publicizing what is going on, but I suspect there is a lot more of this that's happening, maybe under the radar. In other words, um, I'm going to call them for what they are, racist, segregationist type events uh, at college campuses across this country. What, what do you think? Oh, you are absolutely right. And look, uh, as I noted in the article, this is not the only example. This is not a, a, a odd one out. Actually, there is an event happening next week. I believe it's at the University of Toronto, uh, and it is a sort of meditation session for uh, black and racialized that identifying or BIPOC. That's the new term because the left likes to create new oppression uh, acronyms like LGBTQ BIPOC uh, for, for those people. And it's for queer and LGBTQ BIPOC people. So there's one there. There's also um, a freedom lounge at Trent University where it's a, a space uh, by the that was created by the student union for BIPOC people. And their uh, debate is basically banned. You do not debate or discuss people's life experiences. It's an anti-racism space. And last uh, spring, and I reported on this too, the uh, University of of McMaster in Hamilton, they held a black graduation ceremony uh, for black students. Uh, Again, the whole idea behind this and why I think it's wrong is, is, is we're assuming that every black person has had a similar life experience and hence needs this safe space. And with the only thing really putting people in common being skin color, which is, as you pointed out, it is racism. Yeah, it's it's racism, um, pure and simple. And it's it's just terribly sad to think that that's where we are now um, in this country when um, listen, racism is wrong, it's it's always been with us. It always will be with us. It doesn't make it any less wrong. Uh, but I happen to be someone who believes that uh, you know it's it's not it's nothing like it was. Let's say fifty years ago, a hundred years ago, we have made tremendous strides in race relations up until now, and then we have um, certain individuals who would like to see us go back go back to uh, a time when race relations were not so good. And uh, I would I would place uh, certain individuals at the University of Guelph in that camp. It's very unfortunate, very sad indeed. Ellie, great work as always. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime, Richard. 
Ali Canten Nantel is with the True North. Please support independent media. TNC.news. TNC.news. And now, your Lim Riddler answer and this week's winners. Oh, yes, I was almost. <laughs> Thank you for that. Good job, Jacob. You sent me a reminder in the WhatsApp, and then I forgot anyway. How about that? All right. Uh, the answer to today's limb riddle is, well, let me give you the, uh, the clues once again. Remember the dead to whom all owe a debt. Phone once again if there's no answer yet. Costly rework of a vehicle quirk. Feature film Martian can never forget. And the answer is Recall. So, of course, November 11th, celebrated as Remembrance Day, Veterans Day, and Armistice Day, which all remind us to recall the sacrifices of others on our behalf. Um, phone once again if there's no answer yet. When telemarketers can't get you on the first call, they, they're trained to recall. Costly work of a vehicle quirk. Sometimes a mechanical or design flop that plagues a vehicle model result in a factory recall. Feature film Martian can never forget. In total recall... The 1990 uh, sci-fi action film, Douglas Quaid, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is able to recall his former life as a Martian secret agent battling a tyrannical regime on Mars. All right. Congratulations to Sandra Stewart of Oakville, uh, who got the correct answer and is the winner of a pair of uh, tickets to the Mississauga Steelheads next home game. And that is uh, this coming Sunday against the Kingston Frontenacs. And uh, if you want to get yourself a, a pair of tickets, you can also you can go to the uh, Paramount Fine Food Center box office uh, or you can call 905-502-7788. 905-502-7788. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob, and I'll be back next week to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you on Monday at 4. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.